0: i Spaces Welcome to The Ether. Today is Monday, May 15th, 2023. Today on The Ether, the weekly gelato space. Let's take a listen.
1: All right, are we live? Only one minute late. Hey. All right, you're here. We lost Ruby. Yeah, I was talking and I uh, was talking to
2: myself because I was muted.
1: You talk to yourself often. You sit around alone in your apartment coding all the time, right? I mean, if you don't talk to yourself, you go crazy. You're like a a volleyball or something and talk to him.
2: (laughs) You know, I, I kind of wish that I could use some kind of, um, you know, brain device and AI to translate the uh, erratic, you know, the, the thoughts in my head into the approximation of the words they are, you know, and just to, to share like the chaos of it or, you know, to see into people's minds. I mean, we're all kind of crazy. We all think in our own ways, you know, so hard to explain some things sometimes because of those discrepancies. You
1: do that too, but... like like where your your mind is racing And it's not quite like in words or even in logical coherent thoughts, but you know, it's a good idea and you can't quite hold on to it. Like if that happens to you, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like all the time. But I I, I kind of chose um, computer
2: science, actually, for that reason, because I was feeling at the time, uh, just having like gone through college and basically written a lot of essays and done a lot of reading, which was all really great and interesting and enriching. But I felt like. I wanted to explore ideas in a more testable way. And, you know, then I started to see programming and computer science as that way to make ideas more tangible for the sense of, like, interacting with some idea brought to life, you know, by electricity.
1: Weirdly, that's what I do with music. Like, I, I sit at the piano with the baby. And even with my daughter who's 11 and takes lessons. And, like, you know, I just, like, kind of did long chords. Like, I kind of suck at piano. I didn't start till third grade. I didn't practice enough. Like, but... So anyone who plays piano will know I'm a hack, but anyone who doesn't play piano will think I'm a wizard just 'cause so I play a few mm-hmm. chords that sound good. And I keep telling my daughter, like, if you can hear it in your head, there are notes for it there on that keyboard. You just need to learn how to make it happen. And you know, I, I, yeah. some studies about computers reminded me of that. Like, there mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. there's some medium we can use to translate
3: these thoughts into something.
2: Yeah, let the to let the spirit move through you.
3: Um. I know this is a super late mic check, but I assume you guys can hear me. No. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Fucking try. Fine. I will say though, the thing that kind of scares me all the time, and I think about in the future when I can upload my mind onto the internet or some other body. And I keep thinking, what if you know a copy is uploaded to the internet and this hmm. goes into a new body, but then I die in my old body, which is my current body. Am I still alive? Did I really clone myself? Is my like I should think about like a consciousness? I read dystopian novel like, about that. Like you moved that well, over? It was back in college, like I
1: found this like free site we could like just go online and read books, and like it was the only good one on the site. It was, like what's it called, like, Sisters of Glass, or something like that. But people like making um digital immortality of themselves was the goal. But Earth is like ugly and dystopian, and everyone's like on drugs and wandering around lost, and they're like you know, like mm-hmm. like prostitution everywhere and stuff, and like. You know, and so the protagonist follows a whole different storyline, but the end goal of, like, the rich is to become, like, digital copies of themselves on the internet.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think for that to be a reality, people have to give up uh, what they think it feels like to be alive because your existence is
1: now in a completely
2: different medium.
1: Was, and wasn't there an old anime series about that? Yeah. What? It was like an old anime series about that, about some, like, stoic girl who, like, you know, lived online or something.
3: I mean, what is your an anime not about? There's an anime about spirals that if you look at them, you go crazy and, you know, wild things happen. Well, that's reality, too. It happens in reality if you look at spirals
2: too long. Um, <laughs> you know, kind of tangentially, I was thinking uh, earlier that uh, in regards to my mom and how frustrating it is to try to share with her sometimes because of the the technological barrier and uh, communication, you know, and she, she's not good with technology. You know, she never really um she always kind of shied away from it too but i was thinking that with learning technology you know you might not be extremely gifted in it or not, might not catch on to it quickly but i think it's one of those things where you're the only thing that's um you're the main obstacle like yourself is the main obstacle you know it's like coming up it's like a constant process of overcoming your your blind spots and Uh, You know, figuring out, like, I guess to reduce it to something, it's just, you know, puzzle solving, but it's like, there's always this process of getting confused and clarification and constantly broadening your perspective in some way.
1: Well, that's a huge problem in the tech industry, is it? I mean, that's why like Amazon, like constantly updates its UI to like, you know, I mean, you think like buying things with one click and having easy returns. So grandma doesn't regret that. Like that was an accident. Like, you're realizing that like normal people aren't tech savvy. And, you know, we can make it as As frictionless as possible to just buy something on amazon like that's what people are going to do i mean that's like a common problem in the tech industry
4: Mm -hmm.
2: wouldn't it be cool if we could build something that allowed democracy to act with such you know swiftness and precision and benevolence you know if we could figure out a way to harness collective decision-making there you go way. again
1: man like i was talking about yeah. how to make fucking money and you go with just like hippie <laughs> crap and no hippie yeah crap because like, you know it's like I, I have my own <laughs>
2: agenda which is like space exploration and other these highfalutin things you know so i kind of want to accelerate the the pace of development just to you know for that like thrill of exc- um of discovery you know uh, have um, you
1: ever read the circle um, um no it's like this Not this dystopian so. book about like essentially like the circle is like you know kind of like a, a the movie algorithm like the movie um anagram of facebook like everyone's on social media their reputation on social media is how they get hired they eventually proposed the idea like everyone needs to vote in elections so why don't you just vote through the circle and everyone's required so you can make sure everyone votes <laughs> like and like that becomes like a central nexus of life and of course it's mm. a dystopian movie so everything goes horribly wrong and people die <laughs> but and there's always corrupt people on top but yeah that's what you're reminding me of it's like it's just yeah. so well intended that you're going to become dystopia
2: well you know maybe it's an, an inevitable uh, inevitability you know for wherever there's good there's also evil you know just by definition I, you I, know of like good intentions pave the
1: way to dystopia just make money yeah and then, i mean
3: yeah. even if you look at stuff like forest fire you know that's natural it's good for the forest the environment it's terrible mm-hmm. for the human. I feel like human evolution goes through something similar. We get to a point where we kind of destroy each other in some ways, but the earth and the environment will still go on. And then from those ashes, hopefully the next foundation or civilization is much stronger. So it's an endless cycle. It happens with the forest, with the fires, and it happens with humans, like, destroying each other to the brink of, you know, almost like we're mm-hmm. almost gone, but we come right back to so what's, we're like, What's parasitic. the over-under
1: on humanity's black swan event
3: in the next seven years or so? Uh, I definitely want to say the next seven years. I feel like within my lifetime or as I'm getting ready to die, like some shit will happen. But I would hate to think within the next seven years, some crazy, because like COVID was a black swan event, I feel like. And I can't imagine another one, you know, happening so quickly right around the corner. I mean,
1: like what worries me is that we don't have enough time for the next one. Things are accelerating at like scary rates. Like we didn't have the internet in your house until 1997. And now look at the world. Like, the more things that happen, it's like we're going faster and faster toward that wall. Like, I don't know where that wall is, but I'm worried we're going to speed up and hit it before I'm ready.
3: All right, definitely. It's like one of the things you can look at is what was the lo- longest time for an Internet app to get like a million users or a billion? It started out in a magnitude of months or whatever, then weeks, then days. And now we're at a point where a new app can launch. And within hours or less than hours, you can have a billion fucking users. So I mean things are rapidly expanding and things should go wrong. But I'm hoping with that expansion we're also figuring things out that could help us. It's almost like when I play Mortal Coinbag, you know, I'll do like a ten thousand spin or something. And in, you know if winner loss where I'm like, Oh, I lost a few GLTO or something, but you know, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. It's cause the good kind of counterbalances,
1: you know, the bad in If some GLTO were ten dollars each that would hurt a lot more. Unless the dollar's worthless by then, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, everything's expanding. We've hit a point where, like, I think it was sometime this week where we finally, for the first time, had a million or more addresses that hold one entire Bitcoin or more. One million? Yeah, I think a million people own at least one Bitcoin, or a million wallets, anyway, own at least one mm-hmm. Bitcoin or more. I mean, I, that's guess, all time. I guess I'm almost there if we time. add up all of my crypto, but Bitcoin alone, <laughs> I'm not quite to a whole Bitcoin yet.
3: I don't know. I feel like people are slowly getting more and more advanced. You know, I'm sure when the first Bitcoin software came out, mostly nerds and curious people were playing around with it. And now, you know, I know like non-technical people are like, oh, I'm going to run a Bitcoin node now. Like it's gotten that much easier. Like even for grandma, you know, having a wallet and stuff is still relatively hard. But I think we're getting to that point where, you know, people are losing faith in what's going on out there. You know, banks are collapsing, wars are happening. But throughout all of this stuff, the Bitcoin node and other blockchains just continue to keep moving. You know, the fact that this Ukraine and Russia incident, right? People thought the world was going to end. Yes, even though all that's happening, the blockchain continues. And there's something beautiful about it. I mean, that. economy
1: wise, like, you know, the, the US um, CPI data was lower than expected. Our inflation's down below 5%. So that's like, you know, you only beat your wife a little less than one day out of 20. That's a big improvement, better than expectations. And so now the, the 85% of analysts predict that we're not going to raise interest rates at in the next Fed meeting. The 15% I think we will. No one thinks we're going to pivot and start cutting rates yet, but just like a zero rate increase probably will pump the market. Like we're in a decent place right now where I think we're about one year out of the next Bitcoin halving. And at least in the last three times, we've only had three. I know three is a bad statistical sample, but at least in the last three times, there's never been a case where at the halving, the price is lower than the one year mark. So, you know, now is the time and, you know, time going forward between now and the halving. I
3: would be like porking up on Bitcoin, any crypto assets you like. I don't know. even like looking at this last cycle even the cycle before that to me in my mind i'm always like hey i know we've sort of hit the end of the bull run when the uh meme coin market sort of explodes like when you know dog dogecoin goes super down and i feel like the start of the bull cycle is when people start getting crazy wild about meme coins they start doing irrational things people are just basically gambling like crazy and it's nice to sort of see that like even with pepe you know like i didn't buy any of that but people are doing wild. Well. Ordinary people that I know was asking me about it, like, hey, how do I buy into this thing? And to me, it's like, wow, people are like getting re-excited about the space. You know, the fact that the open AI creator is like raising what a hundred billion or some crazy number to do his like crypto coin project. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of money that's coming back into the space. And hopefully by the time we hit that having a uh event with Bitcoin, things are like full steam ahead. I see
1: meme coin resurgence is kind of the Almost like the tail end of the bear before the next bull. Like, uh, most people say Bitcoin are like, I don't know, in the mid 40s, then a steep and scary correction down to the 30s, then back up for the next bull run. That's what most people think. So, if most people think that, that's probably definitely not what's going to happen. But something like an up, then a down, then the real up is going to be probably what happens. And I don't know. I mean, my theory before everything started going to hell was, you know, Bitcoin in the 40s, the 50s scary dip down to like you know 15k to flush everyone out of the market then the next real bull run but with like legit banks actually failing i think the actual crash will be less now because i mean like a lot of these bank failures are actually hitting the main news cycle not just crypto news like normal people are hearing about banks failing like my day job like our biggest client is worried about banks failing and where their money is like it's not just a crypto thing it's like a u.s dollar thing and so the the Bitcoin crash may be less than people initially thought. So I'm optimistic about that. And, you know, maybe we'll have a nice smooth run up to like a six figure Bitcoin and we'll all
3: get rich. I feel like these are the same people who when they do their first transaction on Bitcoin network, like imagine you send someone a thousand bucks or a hundred bucks. It happens relatively quickly. No intermediaries are involved. Like that's like a mind blowing event. You can send someone an asset of some scale, whether it's a dollar or a billion dollar for relatively cheap very quickly no one has to know about it or no one has to get involved with it that's powerful and i think as more banks and people panic you're going to start realizing that because the moment you use it once you're hooked because this thing fucking makes sense and i'm excited about the next cycle i think more people are gonna put a focus on bitcoin because the things that people are told are super safe like you know the banks or the stock market and stuff those things are struggling but the thing that's not struggling the thing is still producing blocks and moving if stuff like Bitcoin, Ethereum. I don't care if
1: it takes 10 seconds or 10 hours. The fact that I can send it to you and like it doesn't have to get approval from the bank or any government or any third party credit company or any intermediary, just I can click the button and it is going to arrive to you. And if it fails to arrive to you, it reverts back to me. It's all computer code and nobody can tell me what the heck I can or can't do. I don't care if that takes 10 hours.
2: And and also just the, you know, in addition to that, like 100%, but, you know, in addition to it, is uh, the fact that you can do things with real yields, you know, as, as we're saying now, you know, actually create businesses around it, you know, and that have revenue and the revenue is distributed uh, according to its, whatever, whatever rules are just, you know, are in place. And that's been kind of chosen by the creators.
1: Yeah, like almost and like a decentralized that, stock market.
2: Exactly, a decentralized stock market, um, or even just a uh, normal company who wants to have their payroll you know through a you know blockchain um and it and they have some contracts that you know for employment or distribution of you know stock dividends you know whatever the case may be just the ability to create these economic structures um at will is extremely powerful um in conjunction especially in conjunction with what you just cited which is that ability to to just send whatever increments you know you like you know, without any intermediaries
1: yeah i appreciate you trying to steer oh. us back on track like i i can like talk about this you know the, the failures of the third party you know credit system and you know all night long but yeah um so honestly i gotta be honest with you guys the day job's been kicking my ass you know i, I keep busy in the real world with a baby and stuff and i have lost track of like it seems like there's a hundred million gelato things going on right now and i don't really have a bead on it all like i used to like be able to give like daily reports on every single thing gelato is doing and now we're moving in a lot of different directions and i've kind of lost track
2: (laughs) understandably so does it
3: feel that way to you guys not really and i think that's one of the big reasons why we wanted to finalize our roadmap for the summer so it's like we have grand plans as to see those plans come to life the fact that when we first talked about staking of the house this concept where people can pull their money together people can bet against it Rewards are going to be generated. It all sounded kind of crazy. and the fact, it's actually live. People are doing it. You know, we launched Staking of the House. We started at 500K LP. We're well over 1.1 million. Like, you know, it's crazy to see all that stuff happen. So I feel like it's a lot of moving pieces, Mm -hmm. but I feel like there are people in charge of either particular things. And, you know, those things are under control. And we have a pretty good stuff lined up for the next few months. So, you know, just from top of mind. Daniel's going to wrap first us.
1: question. Where being, What's the how trend? much of that 600 K that we added at the house pool? How much of that is just you? I know you, you've been playing like, like addictively.
3: I will say I probably, I probably like do in about 250 K or so, but this is something I was talking to Daniel about. I didn't do it because I was like, Hey, I'm testing this. I was doing it because the game was fucking just, like super fun. Like in my mind, I was like, Hey, I'm going to start with 50 K GLTO. I'm going to play with all the different presets and I'm going to see how I can break this stuff. And the first time I lost my 50K, I was like, huh, you know, I, I've, I lost it, but that was kind of fun. I can't wait to do it again. The next day, I bought some GLTO. So even though I lost like 250K GLTO playing Mortal Coin <laughs> I love that I came back. I kept, you know, having fun. And the last few days, like, I've been betting big on Trump, and I've actually been winning. I'm actually kind of up now, which makes me very happy. I, I, so the fact I, I the don't gl-
1: know what it is. Like, <laughs> I had to stop myself. I'm like, okay, fine. Coins, odds, you know. I've done the math. Delilah's got a three percent statistical edge. If I play this like low, like this good odds game a million times, I'm still going to lose. This is lame. And then, you know, I start playing it. And I'm like, this is kind of addictive. I have to stop myself.
2: <laughs> I yeah, don't you know, about you know, the, never...
1: the UI or the odds or what? Something about the formula, yeah. like it's it's addictive.
2: Yeah. I I, like, I just always like the idea of just being able to like diversify your risk into smaller, you know, some larger and some smaller bets, you know, so you can kind of, in your mind, balance it like find some kind of perfect balance.
0: So,
1: I think the secret to big bets, though, because like if I play like something with a seventy five percent chance of winning for like twenty five gelato each, I'm gonna have to roll a million times to win any real money, and that's yeah. gonna gravitate toward average. So I'm gonna lose three percent. But if I play like you know Risby, you know the, the Trump one with a one percent <laughs> chance of winning, get lucky twice, I'm, I'm set.
3: And <laughs> that's <laughs> kind of what I found is I try to play in rounds of five. And when I do the bigger bets, like the 1% or so, all you have to do sometimes is literally like win two or three times and you're like past, you know, break even. And there's also been plenty of times where instead of winning twice, I've won like six times, you know, well, or some crazy number. I'm like, shit, I'm up by like mm-hmm. 60K or 70K GLTO.
2: Should we say what we're talking about?
3: <laughs> yeah, I think this should, this should definitely tie back, you know, back to your tribe's comment yeah, I mean, about like, a lot of things going on yeah. and whatnot. I do ultimately think everything kind of ties into ourselves. So, if you take a look at the roadmap for the summer, the things we have happening is Mortal Coinbat is basically ready to ship to the main site. Daniel added the tax stuff uh, earlier today, which means that every time a player loses five percentage of the uh, loss, you know, goes into the different buckets we have for like NFT holders, for the owners, Series One, Series Two, G Key Game, and one percent back to Gelato. So now that we have that ready, we can ship that to production. As soon as that ship, we're already thinking about video yeah. poker. Now, some people might like dice or coin flip. Some people want to play a card game. So I think getting that out next, which hopefully we can do within two weeks or less, I think will set us up to basically right. you know, show that, hey, think of the house is working. Yeah, video poker right. is where and,
1: it's at. It gives you that illusion of mm-hmm. control. Whereas like the coin flip, I win or mm-hmm. I lose. People feel like they have an impact on it. Like that. That's that's a big win.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's nice, relatively small self-contained uh, project to work on, you know, from my perspective, it's, um, it's something, you know, now we have all this infrastructure set up with the, the house, you know, the staking as, as the house uh, contract up there and uh, integration with noise uh, network for randomness um, when needed and um, you know, other uh, and a bunch of other things. Right. So like now we're at a point where we can, Um, create a bunch of different games, right? Because most of the work is now just on the front end and it's a matter of just wiring it into this existing, um, you know, ecosystem of smart contracts that power everything. So
1: So if we can just go Mm -hmm. on.
2: Yeah. So I'm just looking forward to being able to do the video poker. Um, One of our uh, team uh, core team, Dave uh, is, I don't know if he's out there right now. He's going to be working with me on some, uh, Wireframes, so we can get started on planning the work for video poker, so that you know by the time uh, Mortal Coinbat uh, is wrapped up, um, you know I'll be ready to go for um, the video video poker and yeah. whatever's next. Was
1: well, that Dave sending you messages of like hand drawn sketches and stuff?
2: Yeah, so he's drawing out the um, you know hand drawn um, wireframes, which is industry jargon for like exactly that—just um, boxes and texts, just basic. Yeah, just the fact like that your computer you people
1: use your hands to draw things rather than computers to draw things is always amazing. <laughs> like every engineer I've worked with has hand-drawn wireframes rather than using a computer to draw them.
2: Yeah, I mean, some, it, it, it's probably just uh, the mouse, you know, people who use a stylus maybe have a, a different practice, but just being able to just draw and make, you know, very sloppily with your, with a pencil and paper is just so much better than trying to you know use a mouse and a bunch of undoes all the time just if you want to communicate at the speed of thought you know through through
1: drawing so uh yeah oh, you know so david and before i forget I- um so question restaking is the house numbers for yeah. our lottery for our raffle Gelato takes 10%, three goes to NFT owners, one goes to Gelato owners, the other six go to key and other buckets. Um, mm-hmm. So like for the beta test of like mortal coin bat, that's just like a 3% statistical edge. Gelato's not taking any money from that yet. But when we roll it out live, it's gonna be like a 5% I'm going to NFTs and the Gelato.
3: So one thing we didn't want to do is when people win, we didn't want to tax them and kind of hurt the earnings. So instead, of what we're doing is every time a player loses, the money that goes into the LP, mm-hmm. we take five percent from that so instead of ten. Right. We're doing five percent, three percent for the NFT, uh, which we'll call uh, collection, one percent for the owners, and one percent for GP. Okay, so we're
1: not taxing the the winners; we're taxing the stakers.
2: Right. Exactly correct. And and I, I set it up in a generic way so that if we ever create more instances of liquidity pools or other, you know, partner with other projects and they have their own applications of this kind of thing. This is just like a very generic plug and play architecture for specifying it in terms of taxes. So we can say like, we want 5% of house revenue to be taxed and we want to split that 5% up to a given list of um, recipients uh, which could be, you know, beneficiaries.
1: That tax structure is actually weirdly ingenious, though, because you don't want to deter participation. You don't want a gamer to play and see that his winnings are like 10% less or something. Right. Whereas, like, your stakers, yeah, they bear some of the the, the burden of the taxes, but then so do we. Like, the stakers, they are kind of like part owners of gelato, so they bear mm-hmm. some of the expenses of gelato. Like, that actually makes a lot of sense. That's freaking ingenious. Yeah, I mean, thanks, then. I I think it's uh, it's...
2: You know, it's good from uh, maybe a little preemptive uh, perspective, a legally preemptive perspective, you know, to, and taxes are one of those areas in crypto where it's still kind of gray. I mean, absolutely is gray. And, um, you know, if we kind of preemptively build some tax like systems into our our work, you know, then we're kind of, you know, maybe optimistically, in some sense, we're setting um, a precedent or uh preparing our like the, the kinds of economic systems we build to be um easier to use in a more official capacity or to conform to whatever standards may emerge um in these sorts of things you know we, taxes are a thing and like they exist and whether they're, they're taxes for the government or taxes in some more broader sense you know taxes is a useful um revenue generating mechanism you know um and I just I look forward to seeing how this would be applied in in ways that I can't
3: even imagine yet, um, just by having it there. So I don't know if hack is the right word or not, but way too many projects. This is something uh, Cosmo Joe kind of talks about often. Is a lot of projects, you know, aren't basically building their protocols or their apps to be profitable. You know, the fact mm-hmm. that you could have a bunch of projects on Juno and potentially not really increase the price of Juno. That's kind of built into the way, you know, they thought about it and, you know, created the chain. But ultimately, you know, the way we're building it is we're incentivizing people to basically hold our assets. And, you know, every game we build, when we take a tax or whatever you may call it, goes right back into the protocol. It helps fund future games, initiatives, NFTs, helps fund us in a way too. And this kind of, you know, makes us more pumped Mm -hmm. to build stuff and do more things on it. And people who hold our assets feel the same
1: when gelato comes out of circulation and into the gelato coffers for future use i mean that makes the glto price you know inherently go up so i mean the stakers of the house either win one way or win another way you know mm-hmm. the only way they lose is if everyone hates gelato and no one plays it
2: mm-hmm. and and you know um people in the world in the real world complain about how their tax money is being spent and they have no control over it you know but we're going to have like um uh governance you know um with you know tied into this whole thing and so um if we have a tax system in place that in our case where the taxes go back into the platform um which i think people would agree is a good use of the the taxes um at any rate they'll be able we'll be able to vote on it right so it's the taxes will be directly subject to the to the will of the of the house you know um pretty cool
1: so the very next step for gelato then is we're probably going to start with like VIPs or big names or something. Let like, you know, like certain people stake is the house and then like make a hundred percent or a thousand percent sure the numbers are working right mm-hmm. before we open it up to the general public to potentially lose all their gelato.
3: Yeah. You know. That's basically the goal mm-hmm. is I don't want this to open up until video, video poker is out. So my hope is, in between video poker development we'll have like a very alpha page for staking so vip and select projects will be at the stake and you know generate a higher real yield because a lot of people aren't involved yet but after video poker is out then we'll start planning to open this up to the public hopefully by then we have more than enough numbers to be able to you know verify the math and yeah, so
1: video poker you know like um is that hard to code? Cause I always imagine like a slot machine or dice or cornhole is easy. Whereas video poker, you have to teach the machine like what hands are good, but is video poker just a fancy slot machine? Like, is it hard to code?
2: Um, I, I have to get more into it. You know, I haven't, I haven't, um, I haven't dived into it and dove divin. <laughs> I haven't dived into it yet. Um, wait, is dive a word now? Now I'm questioning myself.
3: Yeah, that might be it, but I also can't imagine it being that much harder because at the end of the day, when it yeah. comes to poker, you have a set ranking of what hands you know you can get from a mm-hmm. you know a double to a triple to a full house to a quad. As yeah. so long as you know what all the odds are and you know what you have on the field, I think it should hopefully be relatively straightforward. Yeah, but I
1: think casino-based video poker machines aren't programmed like using a 52-card deck and a one-future chance of drawing. They're programmed for like winnings payouts, and you know I don't know I I, I don't know how to actually program, but it seems like they pay like one in X odds, not you know random card draws. I mean, depending on how we code it, you know we could do it similarly. I just I don't know. I don't know enough about coding, but it sounds like a coding nightmare to me. That's up to Daniel.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'll let you know once I get more into it. <laughs> but I mean, but I it might be naive, but I'm not too um, worried
1: about it. So the, the next thing the front-facing users of July, what normal person will see is video poker. And the second thing they will see after that is the ability to stake as the house. When they do what? So the, the first thing a front-facing user will see is now we're out rolling out video poker. And the second thing a regular yeah. front-facing user will see is then their ability to stake
3: as the house. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to say like probably 80% because to me, my ultimate goal is by the time video poker comes out, select projects and VIPs should be able to stake. If we need more time to gather more data, instead of moving forward with public staking, I'd rather kind of focus on, you know, making updates to our NFT raffle. So the two big projects that come out right after video poker is we want to deploy a raffle contract to Stargaze. This is going to allow people to buy and sell Stargaze NFTs using our platform but you know as soon as a raffle is over the smart contract will allow them to claim it this will also open up the door for the raffle lottery creator tool this way anyone can take their nfts they own on stargaze create a raffle randomness comes from noise network and once the raffle is over the smart contract will sort of you know will give whoever is the new owner of the nft the correct one or refund people if necessary
1: I was meaning to ask about this on Discord, Dan. Like, is that like kind of a stopgap measure? Because like the original plan was always, you know, Gelato is, you know, on our website, is going to host the, the NFT raffles. People like play in Gelato or whatever currency they choose, they start a raffle for a Gelato feed, they set the parameters, the raffle concludes and you get your NFT. But we've had a pain point in our raffle, you know, where like if your NFTs on Stargaze, you have to manually contact the team on Discord, have the NFT sent to you after you win and you know, until it was like Stargaze codes the ability to send NFTs cross-chain and things like that, are we just doing it on Stargaze then as like kind of a stopgap measure? And then once Stargaze rolls it out, we'll do it to Gelato? Or I'll roll I, this out and Stargaze like the main idea? I kind of want to have two
3: solutions in place. The first one is, if we can natively deploy a raffle contract to a chain like mm-hmm. Tori or Stargaze or whatever, then let's go ahead and do that. You know, once they enable uh, NFT IBC, then stuff like this really won't be necessary. But who knows how long that's away from yeah. And the other approach is if we are working with a chain, let's say we want to go to Ethereum, right? For a situation like that, maybe we don't want to deploy a raffle contract there. In a situation like that, we want to build an automation on our side where people can still buy raffle tickets and let the Ethereum or whatever using Axler. But now we have automated system in place that, hey, once a winner is determined, our system will send it out. So, you know, I want us to be flexible. So, you know, we'll, we'll sort of see how that goes.
1: Have you guys noticed that Cosmos kind of suffers from like the, the not Ethereum syndrome, like the technology is really off the charts. Great. But like the smallest project on Ethereum, like sells out and like, you know, no one's heard of Cosmos, like, you know, even though we're like 10 times better tech wise.
5: I mean,
2: I've never heard that term before. What was it? Not Ethereum syndrome.
3: Um,
1: yeah. Like, like just Ethereum has a volume. Everyone uses yeah. Ethereum and, you know, like, you know, it, gas fees are a million dollars, but like the smallest NFT project will mend out, whereas like, you know, things on Cosmos struggle, like even, you know, get mm-hmm. their piece of the pie. I, you know, maybe uh, it's hard to say how many people know about Cosmos,
2: you know, maybe. But it would be interesting to see, you know, how many people know about how many different projects, you know, what the distribution is, you know, um, probably Osmosis is high up there. and Maybe Cosmos, uh, Cosmos Hub. You know,
3: um, I feel like I people don't, don't even need to hear about Cosmos. To me, Cosmos is the horsepower. If we can build crazy powerful application on the yeah. Cosmos side, kind of on us like, to be like, "Hey, our backend stuff is going to be in Cosmos, right. but we're going to let you interface, do metamask You can still use your Ethereum, but we're going to use other technologies and stuff in between to make sure you don't need to actually talk directly to Cosmos." Yeah. So I kind of. Want to see projects focus more on that is instead of people needing to hear about cosmos, use all the great tech that cosmos offer you, mm-hmm. but then find other opportunities to integrate with the uh, ecosystems with greater yeah. liquidity stuff like bitcoin stuff like ethereum and bring that into the you know space
2: and and the you know having a uh, successful projects you know like um you know that are generating real returns that's what's going to make the ch- the networks themselves successful, you know, because they're the engine for that. Um, so I, I feel like it's imperative, exactly what you're saying, to get this kind of, um, you know, abstraction layer up that just hides the, um, you know, it makes it unnecessary to argue about, you know, which uh, blockchain will achieve, you know, ultimate dominance, uh, but rather just to embrace them as that, you know, back end technology.
1: Yeah, I got to say, like, the two most exciting things about Gelato for me are, number one, staking as the house, because that's like community profiting as Gelato profits in a really innovative way to distribute community profits. But thing number two is if we ever get to this, like, abstraction layer, this magical layer where people can, like, fiat on-ramp with their credit card, nobody knows or cares what particular IBC networks are being leveraged behind the scenes, things just happen, and people play slots or video poker or whatever on Gelato. And win or lose money. Like, if we get just like a phone app out that does that, mm-hmm. like that for me is those are like the two most exciting things about me over you know, gelato for me.
2: Right. And, and you know, like the ability to build a button that says um, that lets you use MetaMask to buy some CW20 uh, token on, on Juno or on some other blockchain, um, that would be extremely useful, right? Like then we could have yeah them. like
1: like, like click this crap to like get ten thousand gelato right like you know and then a window comes up do you want to spend point zero 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 one ethereum to get point you know ten thousand gelato yeah. and someone clicks yes like holy crap that's great and yeah and I think you know we need uh, developers uh,
2: like myself and others um, you know are active in Cosmos to be uh, assembling that kind of code into libraries that, and and then, you know, writing blog posts to put examples out there to show how to do those sorts of things, because those kinds of things are not included in the getting started guides, because, you know, it's getting started just in a very generic way, but to do kind of the things that you might want to do for 99% of the applications, like, you know, let somebody spend Ethereum, there should be a recipe for that, and you know, just as like a, a single, like a reusable piece of code that you can uh, put into your you know, into your app that that does that. Um, so maybe here, you know I'll, I'll, you know, I'll pledge to open source that code if I put it together. And I, I would, you know, when uh, you know, whenever I have like some 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 opening, uh,
1: you know, to work on that, um, I can do that. Really, you you, yeah. you don't have an opening, <laughs> you are never going to have an opening. For like the next fifty years, you will have no free time whatsoever. You're gonna be fishing staking to the house, be on to the next big thing like we're we're coding the beast game, like you know we're yeah. making phone apps, like we're doing all this stuff. so
3: you guys are like interviewing other developers and stuff, right' not yeah. damn yet yeah, we are we're i mean it's it's been kind of interesting, like we've definitely had some interesting candidates, but ultimately. The thing that we're looking for is we're looking for someone who's like a hacker you know i love people who are on the team where i don't need to explicitly tell them what they need to do i rather give you an overall goal of like hey this is what i would like to see you do but and i kind of expect you to take that build upon it if you see all the areas you can help and sort of tell me about that and we're not finding too many people developers like that and i feel like you know when you need to like handhold, give someone very specific direction stuff like that it's not worth it at that point mm-hmm. i'm just gonna go do it myself so at the point where we're at right now we really need hackers, people who are like go getters, can do stuff themselves. And eventually, mm-hmm. once the core team sort of builds all these additional things out, then we'll start expanding, finding more develop- normal developers where you can give them more clear direction. Well, and sort yeah. of build towards that. And, and as
2: we have more and more of these things that we're working on, you know, we actually it's actually easier to create like um, tasks and uh, you know ha- work create work items. You know, it's like it, before it was hard to bring someone on because we, uh, it was like, you know, something is new. It's chaotic, it's, there's a lot going on all over the place and it's hard to, it's not very structured. You're just trying to to fly by the seat of your pants, you know, to get everything going. And so to bring someone on in the early time, it, you know, and try to manage, like, you know, manage them or to, you know, the work isn't structured enough. It's just chaos at that point. So it's just really, for me, it's really hard to, you know, uh, create some kind of, you know, typical man, like software development, you know, um, management, you know, whatever, you know, scrum, agile development, where we don't even let me get into it with that, you know, just a bunch of, uh, processes. Yeah. but
1: we, we all see that perfect mix of professional and casual, like you need a guy who works for Apple pay and just finished coding a, a way to buy crypto with yeah. Apple pay and hates his job. And he's like, I need a side hustle, and he yeah. like, is familiar enough with Cosmos to come work for Gelato. Like, I can give you guys right. the way to onboard Gelato. The like, same way I just did with Apple Pay five minutes ago. We need that guy.
2: Yeah, and and you know one another thing is that um, developers, you know, if we communicate this and agree upon it, if they develop some kind of protocol uh, that we use in our app. You know, we're, we've discussed before being a platform for other game developers to come on and to be like a Steam, in a sense, where, you know, we'll take some uh, royalty from a game, but we'll, we'll host it. We might contribute to the, the, constru- the building of the front end for it or whatever the case may be, but we'll be a platform for other developers. The same applies to developers of not only games, but to generally useful pieces of the, the, the architecture. The software architecture yeah you know so it,
4: it, and that's
1: like third or fourth tier down the line though we got to finish staking as a house right. make a few new games we need to like make a, a phone app and a fiat on ramp <laughs> and then we can worry about like someone else right. hooking in like a game to our stuff but i, was and looking...
3: thing that I really love mm-hmm. is every time we do something we do it in a way where it's modular and the next time we do it it's easier and faster like the mm-hmm. same way you know right now it's staky of the house we added the ability to add in attacks right so right now, this is where our NFT holders, our owners, everyone's getting a cut of staking of the house uh, you know, uh, winnings. Mm-hmm. So because we have that ability, next time we do something, as Daniel said, onboard a project, or a developer comes in, they build out a particular piece of staking of the house, and now we want to reward them. All that stuff is built, in. now we can move quickly on that. So every iteration we do just opens up the gate for how much more we can do. The fact that we can take Mortal Coinbat and skin it 10 different ways, create slots, you know, video poker and like 10 other games. That's mind-blowing. We can do all of that with rapid pace because the first challenge has been solved, which is getting the version one out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I love that about us.
1: So for staking at the house, we're on a tax of like 5%, one to each of the NFT series, one to owners and one to gelato. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, then- one to GQ, not gelato. We decided that we're going to stake instead a large portion of our treasury amount and earn real yield through that. To help fund some of the gelato efforts so we really wanted to because originally for stuff like raffles and lotteries we keep 10 percent for, for casino style games we wanted to lower it, make it low as possible and the lowest we can go right now is five percent three percent for the nft collections mm-hmm. One percent for the owners who owns a one piece or five percent of the NFT supplies, and then the last one percent is for uh, key games.
1: Five percent is perfect, though. I mean, that's like standard across the IBC for like validator commissions. I mean, taking five percent of people staking is probably pretty expected.
3: Also, B Band has been up here for a while and been jammering away. So I definitely want to open it up to her. Uh, you know, happy to have her here. If you want to say anything, uh, feel free. I was going to try to find a way to segue
1: into that. Like, B-Bands has probably the coolest voice I've ever heard on the internet. And I'm like, you know, I see her up there. Like, yeah, say something.
6: <laughs> um, hello. But anyways, <laughs> I just got back from the from my daughter's softball um, game. So I've just kind of been listening in, trying to catch up. I have a lot to um, catch up on and learn. So I don't really have anything um, to, I don't have any questions, you know, At all. I've actually been trying to look at um, when you were talking about developers and how, you know, not Ethereum syndrome, Cosmos. I I remember looking at a developer report that was showing the amount of developers that are coming into the Cosmos ecosystem. And it was a lot. And I just I couldn't I couldn't remember where the report was. So I actually started focusing on finding that um, report on like the different amount of developers and where they are, you know, across all of the ecosystems.
1: Yeah, I don't care about numbers and stats and all that. How do these guys land you?
3: I don't know. You know, we met, you know, at uh, NYC NFT. We talked, you know, I feel like I've seen B-bands around the community. Like, she's been a great community leader, you know, and as you said, she's very knowledgeable, and has a great voice, and we started talking, and seemed like she was interested. And sometimes in life, you've got to shoot your shot, you know? If you, you know, if you have something in your mind, let someone know, and maybe, There's something there. And in this case, there was something there and it happened.
6: Well, I think it was me complaining that nobody was sending me white papers anymore because I was like joking around on the spaces. So, like, I like joking around and stuff, but I love when people were sending me their white papers and I'd be reading them. But then it stopped. So I was like, maybe I joked around too much and now nobody wants to send me their white papers. So then Risby sent me his white paper. So that's kind of like, I think, what initiated it.
1: I've done two for the team. I still got to pick Daniel's brain about the staking as the house one. Like that one's pretty novel. Like the ability to essentially almost act as a liquidity pool or even like crowdsourced revenue sharing for a project or expense sharing for a project like without using a GAM module like Osmosis uses. That's pretty cool tech wise. So, you know, I can't wait to write that one. Like mm-hmm. I said that with Daniel, and, like ask a bunch of questions. Yeah, let's,
2: let's do it sometime, you know, whenever you're available.
1: Kind of funny, I'm, I'm like a patent lawyer by my day job, so I treat talking to Daniel like I would with, like, you know, some engineer client who, like, you know, I got to, like, focus and ask a bunch of direct, pointed questions and make him feel bad, like, you know. I do on the phone with a bunch of, like, engineers all the time, so mm-hmm. I like to, like, sit down with Daniel, because he's he's so much cooler.
6: <laughs> oh, is that why your questions kind of sound engineered? Like, I mean, like, sometimes <laughs> when you ask questions, I feel like, you, like you've like you um asked a question with, like, possible responses.
1: <laughs> it's like a radio. A little bit, I mean. Like, like uh, being a patent lawyer, you're not a real lawyer. Like if I'm ever in a courtroom, I'm in big trouble. I'm being sued and I need a real lawyer. But like if like law and science had a baby, that that's like patent law, you know,
3: so it, it's kind of a good area to be. It's kind of interesting reading to all of our white paper, it literally sounds like a patent application. It's like, this may happen. This may not happen. <laughs> You know, just the language, how it's written, the first time I saw Try Write, I was like, damn, this guy's yeah. fucking legit. I'm kind of happy, you know, you just kept building on that.
1: Yeah. Well, Also, a lot of stuff like, you know, we start writing and you start coding and we're like, oh, this isn't going to work. We're going to do it this way instead, you know. And so it ends up being radically different anyway. I,
2: I remember uh, reading um, a, a patent for one of the few software um, patents that exist out there. It was uh, some algorithm. Um for detecting features and images like a low-level image processing thing that's very famous i forgot um what it's called now but um it it was so generic like the wording could cover basically anything it was like there are a plurality of embodiments you know or in there like it was trying to cover like every possible way of materializing the idea you know it was like extremely abstract
1: that's like old school patent lawyers trying to cover everything. Like, I mean, your patent examiner is going to be probably like somebody with an engineering degree who's not a lawyer. He probably came from like, you know, East Asia or, you know, China or something. Like he doesn't speak English the first language. He got a job coming here for the like the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. And he doesn't care about your patent application because he has strict quotas. If he doesn't get through a certain number of applications in a bi-week period. He gets fired. Hmm. And so you have to write this thing on a fifth grade level so he can understand it and understand what your invention is. You write it all lawyerly. He's not gonna understand what your thing's about. He's gonna cite a bunch of irrelevant stuff against it, and you have to like call him up and like have this conversation. So Mm -hmm. like modern patent lawyering has become kind of almost like a fifth to seventh grade level. Like someone's gonna have a tech understanding, but they're not invested in your idea the way you are. Mm -hmm. So you gotta write things in like more plainer English, I guess. Better. It is like I actually took a legal drafting course, and like the whole thrust of the professor was stop writing. We're in heretofore the party of the fourth part and the fifth part. Like, don't write like that, just write in English. Do, do you, if your contract is important, then you know it'll work.
2: Do you still, um, like, have to after the first time of mentioning something, do you have to refer to it as said? You know, like, um,
1: no, yeah. not usually, like, um, that sounds very pretentious. I just see it say Z, but yeah. Patent claims are written in a funny way because the U.S. Patent Office acquires it where you say, you know, a thing, then a the subsequent time you refer to it, you say said thing, then yeah. you know, you're referring back to another thing. It's very pretentious. It's like, it's terrible to read.
6: <laughs> what? Saying Z?
1: Yeah, uh, being, being a patent lawyer, like, it sucks. The way you write a patent application is like, patents were invented in the eighteen hundred or something, and they suck.
6: Oh, because when you were saying things, yeah, I, I um, I went down the patent, um, uh, patent rabbit hole when i saw some like uh some nft project that had um somebody that worked there had patents for image anal- analysis and emotional metric evaluations
1: hmm.
6: and i went down that rabbit hole and was reading the patent just, like understand if they were like capturing your information with the with this nft game
1: that's a real thing too like um i had a client back at my last firm and like um he did like image masking like um A lot of times like people will send images and like, you know, on like Snapchat or something and they want to be a thermal, they want to disappear. But people were screen capture those images. And then they had like images you didn't want being like permanent, becoming permanent. And so you had like this image masking technique where they would flicker across it, like blue mask and red mask and blue mask and regular and stuff. And like doing it so quickly, the human eye can still see the image. But if you like capture it on your phone with a screen cap at any given time, you're not going to get the image. You're going to get like this gobbledygook of red pixels or something. Mm. And so the whole patent application, he sent me like um, all these pictures to include of like, you know, a rooster in different colors, you know, because he wants some something like a rooster pic, like a male, you know, chicken, then like, you know, you wouldn't want people to capture that. That's always hilarious. guy had such a, like a sense of humor by his image capturing. It's good that That's they could,
2: yeah, you know, it's, um, I'm glad they can still have humor in their patents. You
1: know, it doesn't have to all be boring. Young engineers have fun. Old engineers are no fun yeah. whatsoever. Oh, th- there was like this funny trademark case actually. Um, like there's just um, some company, Chair King, and like you know, they they do like furniture or something, and like they have a trademark and all that. There's other company like Sofa King, and they sell like you know sofas, and they got sued for trademark infringement. And so like they're having a lot of fun in legal briefs, where lawyers were like you know. But, like, you know, Sofa King is about, like, you know, all of our cool sofas, and it's, like, different from chairs in people's minds. Like, you know, we say it's such just, like, a sofa, You, you, you know, like, like, a good sofa, it's like a so fucking good sofa or something. And, like, they, like their legal brief was, like, littered with, like, all this, like, this is so fucking good. And, like, you know, it was all about their trademark. And, like, I was reading that and I was cracking up laughing in the middle of law school. I probably went in my pants because if your only chance, like, a lawyer is going to, like, say, so fucking in front of a judge, you know? And I don't know something about engineers and lawyers having fun together like that just struck me. as like, wow, this is the area of law. I got to be in. <laughs> cool.
6: Let's Joe come up.
5: Hi,
3: yeah. Joe. I think Joe has something to add about the uh, patent stuff.
5: Oh God. You want me to tell my patent story on someone else's space? I think that would be rude, but I have, I have a patent. Story. But I actually have a question. How do I get to the, um, the house staking? Is that a private link that you guys are just testing or can, can we, can we use that?
3: We haven't built up the page yet. So it was manually through commands that we have to run. Only Daniel and I are uh, staking as a house now. Just to make sure everything's working out. We're hoping next week or something, we'll have the alpha page of staking available, which select projects and people will have access to. Yeah, we didn't want so, to
5: make sure I didn't miss out on anything.
1: I'm loath to ask for the team on the spot, but I always do this. Like, you know, so, um, who are the VIP important people who are going to get to be like the very alpha staking his house?
3: I guess that's kind of a long question, and maybe this is where B bands are going to pay uh, play in, in the long term to me you know the very original idea of gelato is to be a decentralized venture slash entity, and staking of the house is a really big part of that because right now what we 're proving. Is people who stake GLTO is, you know, every game we have in our platform is going to be hooked up to staking of the house. So whenever someone wins or loses or some revenue is generated, it goes back into uh, the stakers. You know, one of the games we're looking to build on Stargaze is called, you know, NFT Battle Royale. I'll talk more about that in a bit. It's basically a way for us to... Test, uh, some of the beef stuff that we're building. So part of this game, because it's built on Stargaze, we're going to be deploying a staking of the house uh, you know, contract sort on Stargaze. So instead of having GLTO, staking of the house on that side is going to be powered by stars. So in the beginning, we may bootstrap it, put in a few million stars, but ultimately, as people are playing this NFT Battle Royal game, you know, people are winning and losing and going back into the house people who are staking GLTO will actually be earning stars. Mm-hmm. And this is going to happen on other chains. You know, if we go into uh, C network or Archway, we deploy a Staking of the House game there. You know, we want to build a prediction market game. Either C or Arch- uh, Archway is going to get that project from us. But when we have the Staking of the house uh, LP there, you know, if it's on Archway, people are going to bet and play an Archway token. But when they lose glto earners are, are going to earn the archway token so ultimately this is a way for projects to have a vested interest in gelato and what we do damn are you cooking something trying
1: oh sorry i'm like put some shrimp on skewers right now
3: i don't know you got you actually got me kind of hungry thinking about mm-hmm. dinner but yeah. is it bacon? Mm-hmm. what's up v band
1: are you having bacon I uh, know we're doing grilled shrimp right now. The pioneer woman she has this kick ass shrimp marinade. So I'm making that. Got some brown um, okay. rice in the stove with homemade chicken stock, green beans roasting in the oven. Grill's already lit. And we always okay. use Twitter spaces. They overlap with like dinner time with the family. So I prep dinner while we're like, you know, doing this stuff.
6: That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I do the same thing. I, I, I'll be cooking in the background while I'm listening to spaces or in spaces but anyways i was just curious i didn't mean to derail the conversation but no, um, now,
3: you, now you guys got me with the super munchies so the tldr is staking glto is going to earn you multiple assets every revenue stream gelato has is going to connect back to staking as the house so there's an essential way for people to earn you know anything that we do any type of way we generate revenue that's all coming through staking as a house So i'm kind of glad that we're prototyping it now but this is going to play a big part and my hope is you know, projects that are, you know, within this ecosystem, whether you're a bad kid or the Owls or Women of Cosmos, you know, we're showing that we can build incredible stuff that people are going to use and have a great time. And by staking GLT of the house, not only are you generating real yield for your project, but now you also have a say in what we do with this venture. So I'm kind of looking forward to exploring more of that as we start hooking up the DAO components of staking of the house later this year.
1: So next up, Dan, is like... Um... Video poker, then some, you know, like letting people stake as the house. Then after that, are we like going back to Beast, or are we doing um a, a Stargaze battle game first, or are we um? We're gonna do the something? NFC
3: raffle, get that uh, deployed to Stargate. After that, we're gonna do a battle royale game on Stargate. So the whole idea of Beast is. There are gonna be NFTs that act as clients and there's gonna be a main uh, game contract called the beast contract. That's where the logic is gonna live. When your animals level up, when pe- animals die or gain new moves, all that information is captured on chain within the game contract, which is kind of acting as our server. And in real time, it's updating all the NFTs. So we wanna try a version of that mechanic on Stargaze where let's say we whitelist 16 NFT projects to start. And week by week, they can battle each other, level up, bet on the outcomes of the, of the fight. And let's say after like an eight-week tournament, there's like a mega, you know, championship. You know, each week people are earning, part of the uh, bets go towards a mega pool. And in the end, two of the big NFT projects fight each other. And along the way, they're leveling up and, you know, changing things about potentially their NFT. So I think the Battle Royale game is going to be a crucial part to test out Beast. So that's a, one of the big reasons why we're doing that, you know, right after the raffle stuff. Just make sure mm-hmm. all that works the way we expect to, and then a lot of that stuff that we built for this game is going to be used part of Beast. So big picture then, we're building a game on Stargate.
1: as kind of like a simplified version of the Beast battle arena as kind of a proof of concept. where are like existing Stargate's collections battle against each other, and there'll be ways to bet and win stars and um, use your NFTs in the competition.
3: Exactly. And one of the side effects of this as well is, you know, right out the gate, people who are blue chip uh, NFT projects for Beast, they'll automatically be whitelisted uh, for this game there we're going to be deploying. So imagine all bad, kid, uh, all bad Kid NFTs are the same. This game is going to allow you to level up your NFT. So as you have a particular NFT, the more battles you win, you'll be able to level it up. We're going to introduce NFTs to be able to customize your attributes. So in some way, we're going to be looking to give nfts more value this way if you have a bad kid that's won a thousand battles and is a rank you know 15 or something in this game now that inherently has a lot more value than a bad kid who may be a rank let's say you know in the top 200 but has like no battle attributes i think playing around that type of mechanism and leveling up nfts even though we don't own them is going to be something you know fun to sort
1: of fuck around with That's kind of neat. So if I put my bad kid in the marketplace and it's like, you know, not a high rarity bad kid, but like it's, you know, participated a lot in like the gelato stargaze battle game, someone who's interested in the battle game may pay a a higher price for it. I could auction it for a higher price in the marketplace.
3: exactly it's like a whole new meta to nfts now and because we're going to be introducing the ability to like modify your character so when you think about super like i the cap the feeling that i want to capture is super smash brothers and the way when you play super smash brothers for people who aren't familiar on the battlefield you're trying to knock people out if you knock them out you know you wind around let's say you have three health but the battlefield is also interesting because there's like things on the battlefield like a sword or a pokemon ball or some type of item that's gonna benefit your chances in battle. So we're gonna be looking to roll out some NFTs. They'll do the same exact thing. And this ties back into beast because, you know, when you have an animal creature in the beast game in the future and you wanna give it a new move or a new name or a new background, you have to buy another NFT and sort of burn it into your NFT. So the, so the idea is gonna be the same here. You can have a bad kid NFT or a woman of cosmos kid NFT, and you could imbue a bunch of NFTs into this item so now this nft is super powered so yes on the outside it may be a ranked you know super low uh which we'll call nft but because of all these battle attributes and having better attributes is going to lead you to winning more and you know gaining more stars it's going to give that nft inherently you know more value which is cool really and so I stuff like no this questions. is why
1: I started out saying, like you know, we're like Gelato is doing a whole bunch of different things at it once. It's hard for me to keep track. Like I'm kind of like bullseyed in on staking as the house phone app, mm-hmm. like making money to our original gambling app idea. But we also have all these NFT projects going aside. The is there any other like? And, any yeah. other big areas we're working on?
3: Uh, before I let B bands go, that's kind of how it should be. It's like everyone's working in their own specialized project. You know, someone who's working on the NFT side, or Daniel who's working on specific things you don't need to know the entire picture as long as everyone kind of does what they are supposed to and it all comes together and we do kind of, you know, keep each other up to date. I think it works out well, but I know B-Band wanted to say something, so I wanted to give her the chance. So
6: um, a quick question is this contract that um, is going to be attached to the NFT, like the new ERC 6551 contract where it's like, almost like letting the nft act like a wallet for the other for the the other information that's like masked in it or is it
2: Mm -hmm. so i i i I honestly um haven't looked too much into that but i thanks for reminding me because that would be um it'd be nice to be able to answer your question more precisely but um i can say that we're that's not the contract we're thinking of using the kind of way the way that it was going to work we were thinking that it was going to work is that um we would have a custom smart contract that's completely independent of any of the nft collection contracts and the nft contract that um what it stores inside of it just to store like the data for a collection is basically a list of um urls that point to some resource you know on the web that's that contains the 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 metadata about the NFT, like the attributes, the link to where you can find the image for it. um, uh, And just a a handful of other pieces of information, but basically the data that you would see on the on the marketplace app when you're looking at NFT. And so in in our case, we're going to have our own smart contract and. The the metadata that is used by the NFT contract, the NFT collection is going to be um we can create links to that data that basically query the, the, our custom smart contract so we're going to be able to create our nfts in a way where we we say that the metadata for each nft is actually coming from another smart custom completely independent smart contract so the the nft collection is now pointing to our contract and in our contract we have no constraints on what we can do or what we can implement in terms of uh the game dynamics and so now whenever you're you know you go to view the nft collection on stargaze or whatever the whatever the case may be it's sourcing its data from our dynamic game contract and so give you might refresh the page and now the uh, your creature you know has some achievement and that has imp- that now is reflected in the change to the attributes or some ornamentation some visual ornamentation like there's some you know um like if we did something like playing cards now you see some kind of um badge that's applied to the the playing card that because you've you've uh, you bought something or you bought an attack or some weapon or something like that um like Risby was saying about like these different items these that different NFTs that you could you know burn into your your main NFT your bad hit so it's a completely different take on it it's a, it's a i don't think it's been tried before i i mean maybe somebody has but i don't think any major nft project has tried this before uh, but i think i feel really confident about it because i i haven't I, it, it, there's no like question mark in my mind whether it's possible you know I, um the only questions i have are you know in my mind pertains to how um, nft marketplace app for like apps um if they're gonna like are they caching the metadata do they like do they assume that it never changes you know we'll have to figure out you know whether it works um, or how to work with different um, marketplaces if, if they if their data is stale and it doesn't and they won't reflect the changes that are happening in our contract because they just they assume that it is, is Immutable, you know. So anyway, I, I, I'm i sorry if I'm like losing you some details, but
1: basically, no, no, you're
6: not. You're not losing me. I, okay. I, I, I get it. I mean, yeah, maybe maybe something else. But I understand what you're trying to say. I was just curious because I just wanted. To, I was just curious how the contract worked mm-hmm. and if it was going to be similar to the ERC 6551, but, six five five one. But um, you're saying that it's different because mm-hmm. it it and it is because the that one is like a little wallet that you know your NFT is essentially a wallet. So um, that sounds really wonderful
3: yeah I think the um, biggest part here that I love is once we're using our custom contract, if we're using some other standard, we're kind of within a box of, hey, this thing is going to allow us to do x, y and z. We can't deviate from that. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we're pointing to something that we fully own and control and deployed on chain, we can literally do whatever crazy combinations we want in the future,' we'll be, because we're going to open source this Uh, you know. Uh, code out. We're already talking to other projects that potentially want to use this for their NFT collections. What I'm kind of envisioning is imagine Atlas Dow creates their own version of this game, their own characters. Mm-hmm. They have their own world, their own custom smart contract where they're leveling up. They have moves. Because they're on these contracts that are very similar, in the future, that opens up the gate that, hey, maybe we'll have a uh, season where the beast game can talk to Atlas DAO, they can battle each other and maybe earn Atlas Dow token or whatever other things. And as other people create games, now we can sort of, it's almost like we're creating an IBC of game servers that we can tap into and introduce new concepts and stuff into existing games.
1: I mean, yeah, big picture, it sounds like we have like, you know, uh, like what we're doing is the external source of data about an NFT. And like that's in our contract rather than the NFT itself. Mm-hmm. It seems like that. Um, our original beast white paper,
3: isn't it? Oh, so I think I think try got rugged up. We missed the last like five seconds. Oh, let me try again. So it seems oh, like like.
6: It.
1: Oh no! I, I'm outside of the grill, so I'm apparently I'm not outside of my house from like you know my router. Yeah. So so,
6: so hey y'all, uh, I'm getting messages and stuff like that. I'm not gonna say who's sending me messages, but I'm getting messages and they're 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 giving suggestions and they're wondering if if somebody's going to like if communities will you know leverage a hundred thousand to two hundred and fifty thousand g l t o um as as utility I wonder
3: I think that would be a uh, great you know I think that kind of that's kind of what I'm hoping projects will do mm-hmm. because the point of games like Mortal Kombat and video poker. Have to show people what it's capable of doing, right? If you can take that, add you know crazy graphics to OpenGL, make mobile version, the possibility is there. So if you come in early enough as a project, like hey, I'm gonna buy a million GLT, I'm gonna stake it with these guys because it seems that like they can build fun, secure, scalable stuff. Then as we grow and build crazy stuff. All that real yield that is being generated, that's being generated—that's something a project can take uh, take advantage of. If you want to give that to your NFT holders, if you want to use a portion of that to pay for fees or whatever, that's one way for you to tap into what we're doing, helping support us. But as we build more and crazy—I don't want to say addictive games—but as we build games people want to play, now you know your real yield is going up as well.
2: And you know, and also you know, if we do this on Stargate, the battle royale with the uh, like a stars um uh, house staking contract um, you know then you could stay if if you wanted to you know stake there instead of staking on Juno you you could like maybe the the raffles uh, that we do will really you're not raffles I mean maybe the raffles will take off but maybe this battle royale game will will take off you know and it'll, it'll be a big driver of revenue for this the start the house on the stars side so if you want to take so the question is like um you know uh was the question like, uh, you know, how do you uh, make a decision about like where you're staking your GLTO? Was, was that the question?
6: Um, I suppose it's just, you know, sometimes people send me messages and they want me to say stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I want to be the puppet. I want to be puppeted, like, and I want to get the message out there. But then I'm like, I'm not really sure how to like uh, fully explain what this person is trying to tell me. <laughs> but uh I'm here just kind of like, you know, reading off what they send. Um, give you an example. Say gelato sounds so wonderful. Then say, yo, Tank, is Maneki going to be buying? Get my Maneki Cosmos hedge fund. Some GLT. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Um, all right, sir. I'm not really sure, but I'm here. I'm here for it, man.
3: No comment. <laughs> hey, that, I, I love hearing that's exactly what we're going to hear. We do have our favorite uh, DLTO owner in the house, someone who owns Sanji. So uh, I'll give it up to you, man. Thanks for coming up. Did you just say me? I'm CTV.
4: <laughs> yeah, but you're Sanji now. That's Sanji. the... Uh, one. Oh, uh, that. Yeah, someone had tell me that from work. <laughs> People in North will actually know what that is. I don't even know what the hell that is. But it's this dude, you know? That's why I got it. Anyway, uh, thanks B bands. I'm trying to get... Uh, I'm trying to guilt Tank into saying I want I want GLTO for uh, Mineki. I'm trying to guilt uh, Atlas Dow to uh, not just build a game, but also put a bunch of things of uh, their Skymonks on your site to, you know, build revenue out. And you know, as an owner, I see so much potential here. And I'm wondering, are you going to? Uh, is there any? Uh, let's see, owner level NFTs that are sitting in team wallets that I could buy for you know you can tell me a price and i'll just pay it and i'll buy another owner nft we'll discuss off
3: No, unfortunately there's literally like the uh the two that i have i'm sure i'm going to die with them and i'm sure my my daughter at some point will want them so i'll give them one each but there is none for sale the only one that we have in the treasury wallet is luffy the rarest one but that's going to go into a g key chest uh you know next year so it's crazy people just don't put the one piece ones on the market and when they come up they should get bought up pretty quickly. They gotta yeah, say I'm I not known yet.
1: But if I'm not invited to any gelato parties, it's gonna be the lamest gelato party ever. By the way, ah, <laughs> uh, you'll always definitely be there for sure. Next That's sure. taking my question though.
4: Mm-hmm. No, and, of course. And by the way, I think uh, I think Joe and Maria should have a show that basically say, you know, you give them like fifty thousand at GLTO, and they can do like uh, a demo because I think they're. Uh, Good at yeah. what they do. And I think B Bands and Risby should be like the opponent. So it should be Joe and Maria versus Risby and B Bands and see who can spend or flip the most before they lose it all. And honestly, I think that should be a game by NFT communities nice. where they give out like a small amount of GLTO and whoever like lasts long is on like a random coin flip, they get NFT. Like this is where I think
1: it's going. I like, say, bet money. I like the Risby B Bands team versus the Joe <laughs> Maria team yeah and then you could bet on the team so there's a bet on a bet uh, i would i would watch 1.5x and a 2x like that's how much attention i would devote to that that's
3: amazing but ultimately i think exactly what you're going to saying is this is what we want to do like we're not building stuff that says hey it's only beneficial to gelato everything we build is open source and it's built with hey other people are going to use this find ways to take advantage of it and the more they use it the protocol benefits, but also they benefit as well. So the fact that we're talking about using Mortal Coinbat to do bets between two projects and stuff and have some other secondary mechanism or using staking of the house, you know, projects can use that to generate real yield for their project. This is exactly the type of stuff we wanna see. And we're just gonna keep doing stuff like this and it warms my heart. Like I love when people use their stuff and give us feedback. It gives us the push to do better things and make the changes they're asking for.
4: I have one other comment just for a Tank in case he does buy it with Maneki. I bought literally $300 worth of GLTL. The freaking coin went up like from mid fives to like mid sixes. So just be careful with that.
1: Yeah. Well, it's back down to mid fives again. If you get like 19 for a penny, I mean, you should be playing Mortal Kombat addictively right now. If you get 19 for a penny, just keep playing.
5: <laughs> that said, if you guys ever- want well, to, like, you know, oh, maybe- sorry, go on. I was going to ask. I have a bunch of my GLTO on the uh, poker platform. How do I how do I transfer it back once the um, the staking is is allowed for the? Yeah. Um, you
3: thing? can you just open up a ticket. Tell us how much uh, chips you want to cash out. The, the address, and uh, we'll take care of it.
5: Oh, okay, that's easy. All right, cool. No, I appreciate it. I, I haven't played on the poker site in a while, but I know I I won a bunch last time I, I was on there. So I don't. I'd rather have it. I, li- I like the house staking idea. I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's the gaming version of liquidity pools. And once people understand, you know, that it, the casino really doesn't lose over time, I, I think you'll get uh, quite a bit of interest there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because the other side of the pool is like essentially gelato's revenues and losses. And it's, it's, it's like this bizarre concept where you're almost like you're, your side of the liquidity pool is almost like stock in gelato. And then gelato's performance is the other side. And like I don't know, it's like it's amazing what do we do without a gam module or like having like joint LP tokens. You just stake your your gelato and it works. Like I don't know what Daniel coded. That's <laughs> what I want to interview about. So I can write a white paper on that.
2: Yeah, um, you know we we can put and yeah the house does uh, have an edge and so it should you know theoretically grow you know monotonically increasing. But we can also put other in app purchases like. Um, uh you know into that like what if we 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 followed up with a, a mortal coin bat and we added the ability to submit new coins to be made like new presets you know like a couple images and the names it took forever to come up with enough like dichotomies to create that many different coin presets you know that you see there i think there's like fifty fifty two 52 or something like that over there my so.
3: favorite is still face versus slap and brode versus hose like those i just keep playing all the time.
1: Yeah. You know, like, what if, like, we make a coin, like a, a mobile phone app, and, like, you know, grandma's watching ads, we get revenue from that in addition to, like, in you know, all of our other revenue.
3: Yeah. I That's mean, definitely on the plate as well, too. Like, I can definitely see Mortal Coinbat being, like, a very responsive app. It already feels like a very responsive web app. So, one day translating to mobile, I think it's definitely possible, like, you know, if grandma's going to watch an ad for, you know, 200 free GLTR or whatever, why not?
2: Once Juno's block time is uh increased, you know um it's gonna be a you know a lot smoother experience it's it's hard to build you know like games that have a sense of c- continuity when the uh the transactions uh take so long you know because in, in, when we start using you know when we start using noise we're gonna have to uh double the wait time you know because it's gonna take basically two blocks for the whole process to happen so when Juno is, you know, going to cut its block time, then it's going to shave a lot off of that, that waiting, uh, that you know, that wait time. So anyway, um, <laughs> the, the block time, I think it should be a major focus for Juno and, you know, um, for the sake of building like responsive applications. Um, I know it's just a few seconds to to wait and that's fine. That's been fine for um people who are more like you know crypto enthusiasts and hobbyists and who who are just you know in it but for newcomers and people who don't know why things are the way they are i think it might be a lot of like perceived as like a a huge obstacle or a lot of there might be a lot of friction with that you know so i just yeah, out
1: out in the real world if you're loading like a google search result it takes more than half a second you've
3: already moved on to the next search result right exactly um and, and I think we could definitely lobby Juno to like reduce their block time. But I'm also glad that we're taking steps. The fact that you can take a bunch of different presets and program it in instead of doing like one coin flip at a time, you could do thousands or more than that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of great. A bunch of advanced moves ahead of time. Some of the ideas that we talked about, you know, behind, uh, behind the scenes is we want to allow the ability for people to buy credits, you know? Let's say you buy 10,000 GLTO worth of credits, and now you can play on a site. So every time you do a transaction, our backend will actually do that for you. So you don't have to approve your wallet transactions anymore. And if you ever want to convert Mm -hmm. your credits back into GLTO, the process automatically does that for you too. So we'll keep finding opportunities to make it easier on people. But I agree. I think once the Juno block time comes down, there'll be a lot more things we can do with it.
2: Yeah, I, I had some other things I wanted to say, but I kind of got lost um, in time right now, but um, I did want to say that though, you know, deploying the raffle contract, is a complete non sequitur. I just want to say before I forget that when we deploy like the raffles to um, uh, Stargaze, I think that's going to be, that's a really good idea. And, you know, we should definitely do the same for Tori and these other networks, just to um, be able to automate the process more, you know, just having the NFTs transfer, by themselves and uh, you know the contract we have also supports uh, raffling multiple nfts at one time we just ha- didn't build that into the the mvp uh, user interface um, but it supports it and you know we can we can extend the functionality so that we can in, we can incorporate you know minting you know into the process so you know who, who wins the raffle they get you know a free mint or something you know so as soon as we have these contracts on these different chains so we're not limited then in what we can do, because like we are now, because we can't IV- do many things over IBC that, you know, we can't automate much currently. Um, so we can get rid of that restriction altogether if we start deploying the raffles on their respective um, networks. So
3: I, I think, think that's, that's a better that. strategy anyway, because even when you enable NFT IBC, the fact that you have to like trigger IBC or do stuff like that is going to add on to the time you're waiting. If you're natively have the contract available on Tori, Stargaze, and other chains, then you could, as I said, do a lot more stuff with it. Hopefully things are a lot more quicker. So I do think this approach is good, and I can't wait to sort of see how people react to it once we deploy this to Stargaze. Uh, Joe?
5: I have a question. Um, maybe this is like being overly paranoid, but have you guys looked closely at the way in which Raccoon.bet got flash loan attacked by white whale and whether or not that's a concern for your platform or is that a different situation
2: i think at the time i did look into how it happened and i determined that we weren't using the same mechanism that got exploited as as they are or they were so as far as i know we're safe from that attack
5: cool no i'm just curious um not knowing any better right I, i was wondering how you guys actually test for that are you guys doing it internally? Do you have someone else do it? Well, I, I looked into the, like the, the code and
2: they're using like the way that they're dealing um, with transferring tokens, you know, is distinct from the way that I programmed our contracts to be dealing with the token transfers. So it's not, it's not vulnerable to that attack because it's not going through the same you know, code path. So,
5: yeah. So I was it. like, it's like, that, that? That, that, I was just curious because you know that that was an interesting, that was just an interesting situation where like Juno, like there's enough drama already. You don't need like one application attacking the other on the same chain, right? Like it, it's it was like it was like really a kick in the in the groin for for Juno. And I was just curious if you guys remembered about you know how that happened. Look into it. That's all.
3: And Mm -hmm. I will say the fact that they openly admitted this as it happened it sort of helped like notify us as well too. Like it gave us the opportunity to be like, hey, are we also impacted by this? Because if we were, then we can go in and make the changes, migrate existing contracts and do the whole shebang. Mm -hmm. So the fact that the, you know, and then that's kind of what I want to see people do more of. You know, some shit happens, tell people about it, do a post-mortem, figure out what we could do better. And next time, hopefully, you know, no one else repeats the same mistake. Mm -hmm.
5: Yeah, I got to say, though, uh, what, you know, White Whale wasn't even on my radar until that happened. I'm like, oh, what is this White Whale thing? So mm-hmm. a, um, I, I must not be the only one who had that come across their radar as the first time hearing about
3: what White Whale actually does. Behind the scene, Daniel and I are always basically trying to hack our own stuff. Like, hey, what can people do to potentially fuck with their stuff? Because you kind of have to program with that type of mentality. When you build something, you know someone's going to come in, push all the different buttons mm-hmm. and try to figure out where they can fuck around with it so we try you know to sort of anticipate the things that could happen build in safeguards but you can't be 100 percent, and that's some of the risks you got to live with you know something happens you learn from it it's great that you can migrate contracts to fix holes and things of that nature so now you kind of grow with every battle
5: cool cool not looking forward to it man i always, i'm always i always feel like i'm late to figuring out what you guys are doing. I'm always like a month or two behind everything. So I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I didn't miss out on being one of the first people to participate in the house staking. It'll give me time to accumulate some more tokens and all. Yeah. Well, I'm
1: on a team. I feel like I'm behind on most of the stuff nowadays.
5: Uh, well, well, I'm so bullish on gelato if you're hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> It's a lot. I mean,
3: it does feel great that, you know, Daniel and I, you know, we wake up every single day. We're like, what can we do to better gelato? What can we build? You know, we take feedback from the community every step of the way. And it just feels great doing all those things. And the end result feels nice when people like it. People use it. People, oh, yeah. you
5: know. No, you're right. And I, I tell people that a uh, gelato team is the only the only people who will be hanging out at a bar, relaxing, having fun, a drink in each hand, talking about coding. Yeah. So I'm like. You guys are working twenty four
1: seven. Yeah, I That's say like July yeah. is like my bag of stuff. Like it's probably not on its own gonna make me a bajillionaire, but it's definitely gonna make me at least some money. So it's like
5: it's in that like you know sector of my portfolio. When are we gonna have a um, a cream queens collection where they're dressed up like the like the cocktail waitresses from the casinos, like walking around with the boxes of cigarettes and candy and stuff?
3: So sometimes I feel like we're like a movie student in the sense that we have like a bunch of collections and ideas that tie in together. So one of the collections that we're working on in the background probably won't be out for a while. It's called the Workers of the Casino. And it's basically animals uh, personified, you know, as humans as different jobs. So there's definitely be some cream queens, monstros. And, like, sexy people working at the casino, but also the non-sexy people, the people who work at the buffet line or janitors. So, that'll that'll definitely be a fun collection and hopefully will come out end of year.
5: So, you guys could definitely do a lot of the things that brick-and-mortar casinos do via, like, gift cards or something, right? Like, you could say, oh, if you play this much on the platform, you build up this many points of Either GLTO or Gkey, whichever one you want to use, you could have people cash it in for like, you know, quote like a free buffet, and it could be like a twenty dollar Doordash gift card or something like that that they can get. You guys could do a lot of fun stuff. Be awesome.
3: Exactly the type of stuff I want to do is like to me the ultimate success is building incredible IPs. Like imagine a monster a movie one day or a Queen Queen, you know something. And also tying into real physical entities. There's a lot of places out there that Web3 mystifies them. They're scared. They're like, I don't know what the fuck I want to do. There's plenty of small scale casinos that are kind of dying out. And that's an opportunity for us to go into those sectors and be like, hey, if you guys want to do something different, these are the things we can offer you. We can connect you to the liquidity pool of Web3 and bring them to physical locations. You know, weed shop, ice cream shops, restaurants. These are all things we can integrate with. And it's one of the main reasons why when we started Gelato, we kind of focused in on the name. What is something that can basically seep into all avenues of life? And it's a dessert, you know? Dessert kind of goes with everything, and, you know, so does ice cream.
1: So to keep us on track, like, you know, so we've discussed staking is the house. We've discussed um, video poker and alpha people staking and the Stargaze game coming up. Um, is there anything else on our task list for this particular spaces?
3: Mm-hmm. No, I think we pretty much covered everything. Uh, Daniel, anything we missed?
2: Well, I do want to say that I'm still like uh, looking forward to later in the year working on a prediction market. So, in my uh, in my spare time, which consists of standing in the shower for too long, I, I've been m- making a lot of mental, you know, notes and progress on h- thinking about how we how we're going to be able to do that, and that's going to lead to another white paper
3: uh, that we're going to write, I imagine. So. Um,
2: Actually, they I'm glad you
3: said to this, Daniel. Know. Could you quickly give us a TLDR of what verdict is slash human oracles?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, we're, uh, some of you might be familiar with, with Polymarket. It's, it's an example of a so-called prediction market um, and where you can, you can bet on, um, you know, uh, election outcomes or really a whole host of different uh, random things, you know. And uh, so, and so you have people, but there's limited supply. So you might have like, you know, 2,000 uh, yes votes or you know, 2,000 no votes. But and because of that limit, limited supply, people can trade them. You know, and so you have bids and you have asks, and it's an actual like it's a market, um, which is really cool. So we've been, you know, in their case, they use an Oracle to provide um, the information sources. You know, to decide the outcomes of these uh, world events that people are are trading on uh, you know base essentially betting so in our case you know on the cosmos side we don't have uh, access to that many you know oracles or sources of um, outside real-world information Uh, so it got us to thinking you know how can we leverage you know human intelligence to do this in a distributed way um, initially and also probably and, you know, as time goes on, we might have oracles, but how can we do that in a way that involves humans in a way that, you know, we'll still do, despite the fact that we can do some things with oracles. So, you know, we've been thinking about how do we, you know, we're going to create like like a jury pool, you know, for example. The way we are thinking about it is like we're going to create some kind of thing that's going to be like a jury pool where members of the jury pool will be able to agree on outcomes uh, of world events that other contracts are, you know, Requiring to determine the outcome, you know, to determine the results of bets. I, I, saw, you, you guys could say this way better than I'm saying it right now. I'm so scatterbrained. But Brother,
3: you got Daniel, uh, keep going.
2: <laughs> I need, I need some more coffee. But um, yeah, basically, you're gonna have like groups of people. who are gonna have like, like incentives and um game dynamics that you know encourage people to um. I to participate in a way that leads to like a honest and responsive, um, uh, you know, results coming in for different um, like prediction markets out there or different sporting sport be- sports bets, you know, instead of having an Oracle just, you know, at some point in time, kick in and set the result of the, the sports game, you know, we'll have one or more human per- uh, participants that are um, competing for a financial incentive to Provide that information. And also, you know, the system will check that a certain consensus level is, is met. Yeah. And that will determine the outcome
1: of the event. So you know, so very, very big picture. It's like meta crypto, yeah. then. Like, whereas crypto is removed the third party trust factor, like, mm-hmm. this jury system is removed the human coded third party trust factor by crowdsourcing a verdict for things oracles yeah. can't do easily. Right. And, and that way we have like, you know, a human crowdsourced decision with so many humans were verified mm-hmm. or ranked or something that like, you know, it, it can't fail. And
3: then we use humans in place where computers can't do it. And, and we also and- have a mechanism to punish people who are deceitful. Mm-hmm. So Let's say you're purposely putting in wrong results or trying to do something that could harm the system there's going to be a slashing mechanism built in as well, too. So to initially to be part of the jury pool, you'll have to stake something. Depending right. on how many people do it, random amount of people will get selected and we'll look at their stuff. Part of the pool of rewards go to the jury to incentivize them. If they lie, they get punished. So by building this set of human oracle slash validators, we can basically start doing crazy types of bets the most traditional, you know, oracles don't even have access to. So, so you're, right? you're, like,
1: you're human jurors are incentivized to vote because they don't they don't benefit. And if they do vote, or incentivized to vote right, because they vote wrong because they're doofuses, they get like they lose stuff.
2: And and also because the more times that they participate, they're going to be rewarded in terms of having like a credibility score or some way of tracking like to what to what extent have they been responsive and what extent have they been partaken in like um, past, uh, you know, in what how many times have they provided their services in the past without any kind of dispute or issue, you know, so like reliability or credibility. And so these things will determine, you know, when when somebody goes to create a bet and, you know, maybe they want to um, open it only to like the slice of the jury pool with people, uh, you know, who have a certain amount of, um, you know, a certain score a certain reputation. Right, in order to participate, so there's some need, and those could be like a, have a higher payout. You know, maybe a larger percentage of the pot is given as reward to the to the jurors. You know, for their participation. So there are a lot of uh, like open ended questions, but I think it's a really cool idea.
3: And um, but here's where I think the beautiful part is. Yeah. So one thing Daniel said in the beginning is every bet will have its own supply. So let's imagine someone makes a bet that says, "Hey, Joe Biden mm-hmm. is going to die." by end of year or by December some date, right? And there's a thousand votes in total, people vote yes or no, but let's say by November, he starts getting sick and people are like, oh shit, this guy actually may not make it. Now people are like, oh, Joe Biden may actually die by December, so let me go and now these votes are more valuable because now the yes Mm -hmm. might potentially win. So people can go in, buy and sell their, you know, votes, other people can, you know, vote on it. So it's gonna create this interesting dynamic that i think we haven't really seen within cosmos before
2: right I, and the you know augmenting it even further with creating like discussions or you know real-time chat around the various uh, topics i you know what about even as a juror or as somebody you know um you know who like evidence you know proposing like not only voting on the outcome but Providing whatever links were used to resolve that that information, like citations, you know, we can build in mechanisms for like, like in the jury, you know, there's evidence and in the, the jury. Okay, there's a trial and the jury deliberates on the evidence, right? So optional evidence in there. There's a lot of fun things I think we can do with this analogy um, and turn it into an opportunity i would solve the problem of of determining outcomes of real world events but also for, create another uh, opportunity for people to participate and earn income from uh,
3: Here's the great part. I, I, only we do this we basically created a way for humans to gain consensus on chain now you can take this and do something else with it so yes we're using it to determine you know bets of some random event, but now that we can have humans come to some yeah. consensus Someone can build, like, a job board uh, platform out there where if you do work and people agree you did the work, you pay them or whatever, you know, community coin. Mm-hmm. So this one's definitely going to open up the field for a lot of different things. The thing we're doing right. different with this is mm-hmm. we're going to build that entire spec of, hey, this is what's going to look like. These are the wireframes. And we're actually just going to put it out there and see if either C-Network, Archway, or someone else wants to buy it. If no one wants to buy this game, we're just going to build it on Juno. And we think there's a lot of great potential here. So it's gonna be interesting to see how it all you know,
2: plays out one one final thing i wanted to note is that by using humans it's not only that you can you can do bets on things that you know there aren't oracles for providing the information for but you can even explore ways of having like games that involve subjective votes where you know like what what's the what's the best color or, or maybe even games where you there are two winners you know like a first and second place so what's the best two colors right and you know that it's going to go into the hands of some maybe random selection from the jury pool, you know? so that's that's part of the game. So it's like, what's the jury gonna pick? You know, I mean, so you, and I, I know that's a trivial example, but it's an example of something that's subject, subjective, right? It's not, it's not traditional betting on some like empirical facts, some empirical outcome, it's, it's betting, it's, it's like a, a game between groups of people at that point. So I think the, the potential is really, you know, extends to a large number of things.
1: Yeah, I guess as a normal guy who doesn't code listening to all this, this sounds academically fascinating. <laughs> and I don't see how it makes me personally a bajillion dollars as gelato holder.
3: Mm-hmm. So, you know, as
1: long as it, like gelato goes to $10, like more power to you, code all this crap well just I mean, you know even beyond yeah.
3: that this is creating an economy right now so if you're someone who lives in a third world country like hey i'm gonna be the human oracle guy i'm gonna go and mm-hmm. bet up mm-hmm. give results to all these things the hope is you can make a living from this if other people start tapping into the human oracle and now That's we have this yeah. network where people are like hey i need human decisions made give me your pool of oracle people now we have access to that and now to see and whatever mm-hmm. funds are used for people to buy this goes back mm-hmm. into the pool so Fact
2: checkers, right? There's just like a a fact checking service.
1: You never know. Like, people in the Philippines who played Axie made more money than a doctor in the Philippines. So, I mean, you know, depending on your market, like, there could be a lot of people who want to be jurors. Mm -hmm.
4: And the great
3: part is Mm -hmm. all this code is already open source. I love that Dana was fucking around with this a while ago. He published what the initial verdict protocol is going to look like. So, we kind of have a good idea that, hey, this is possible. So, it's nice that we're going to go out and build it. And It's either going to be on C, Archway, Juno, or some other, you know, person if they want to come make a bid for this. But it's going to be mind-blowing. I can't wait.
1: Yeah, personal note, I'm going to, like, dig into the Archway and see grant applications and see if, like, there's, like, some money we can get for this. Because only give us, like, crypto to build it all the better. Mm -hmm. But if no one give us crypto, no sense for us, like, you know, branching out and making all those efforts to build different networks.
2: The only thing is that, you know, some of the networks right now, they have, like, um, sub-second block time. So if there's something where you need like some kind of game experience that really does like depend on extremely fast transactions, you know, like like just fast paced, we might you know want to consider one of these networks that is like sub
1: second in the
2: the, in the block time versus why aren't,
1: Why aren't they all built that way? Like it just seems stupid. Why are we waiting six seconds I, for a block?
2: There, I think there are implications on like uh, verifiability and um, differences in there, there are t- different technical implications and maybe different, um, just different architectures. I'm not sure. I can't give you a concrete answer to that.
3: Well, with that, my wife is giving me the look. The Salisbury yeah. steak is getting cold. Exactly. So we do have to wrap it up. So before we go, try B Bands, Daniel, anyone else who's up. If you guys want to say anything, you know, say your final piece and then we'll mm-hmm. call it. The
1: US dollar sucks ass. Buy Bitcoin and leave the mm-hmm. country.
2: Hare Krishna.
3: I guess, you know, be kind to each other and I will see everyone for the next uh, weekly gelato space. Peace. Bye.
0: Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was the weekly gelato space recorded on Monday, May 15th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.
5: keep listening,
0: head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate. And show some support now.
5: There's
0: this principle in like Dao there's this principle in like Taoism where it's just like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want like just inevitably kinda of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Taoism, Taoism, Taoism where it's No more humility, futility, plus size Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal Which side of the line you beating out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking wet side shit, needle and noose Sticking with my armory yam Beto and Bruce Repping psychedelic artistry, believing the truth Like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue? GFM Is it
3: really is it worth all the effort? Is it really worth all the fighting? Worth all the drama, and the answer I think is a